to as we come to the message, uh, uh, the message of the morning, we have uh, we have a special guest with us today, Pastor Thomas Akunte from Nigeria. He is our our Grace International leader over over the nation of Nigeria and oversees lots of churches and ministries. He's here in the states. It's his, is you were saying it's your first time in the last four years that you've been uh, stateside, uh, and so he's he's been visiting some of our churches and he's here uh, with us this morning. I want to pray that your heart would be open as he would come and bring the word. So would you welcome uh, Pastor Thomas? Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. I will rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you will rejoice and be glad in, in him today? Can I hear your voice and say amen? amen? This morning, I'm here with my son and his wife, sitting down there, Joel and Abigail. I want to first of all thank Pastor Brian and his wife and the leadership of this church for having not really come to a point of personal relationship that you have been supporting us. Because I read through the churches that send support every month and I see this church and I want to thank you very much for that. God bless you, my brother. I want to bring greetings from my wife. My wife wasn't able to come because this is not really the time we come to the States. We usually come in August because the Grace Convention is always in October. But now it's changed to April, so that changes our time. Otherwise, this is the wrong time for me to come because I don't do cold. It's too cold for me. But I thank God for his grace, that his grace have kept me. I remember being in Utah, it was 37 degrees, so I just locked myself in. I said, I'm going to church, I don't come out, because I don't do it. You know, because in my country, there's no time that you have that kind of weather all through the year. It's either hot or raining. So we have rainy season and dry season. When it rains, it rains so hard. Right, so when it's hot, it's hot. Even in time of rain, it's still hot because you sweat. So my wife couldn't come because he has to take care of our grandkids. The Lord has blessed us by his grace and helped us in raising churches across Nigeria and part of Africa. Sometimes in our lives, you don't know what God can do in your life until you step out by faith. I wasn't born in a Christian home. I was born in a house where we worship idols. Some of you may not know what idols mean. It means you have some images or some objects that you see as your deity. That was how I was raised. But it came to a point in my life where something happened at the age of 10. At the age of 10, I asked my eldest brother for Christmas clothes. But instead of giving me Christmas clothes, he came home from the city. In my village, there's no bakery today. So imagine what bread would mean to a child in 1962. So he came to the 
town, came to the village with bread. And then he shared the bread for everybody. One loaf of bread for a bunch of kids. And then mine was like a piece like this. I was holding it in my hand. And he asked, who was that person who asked for Christmas clothes? I said, me. So he began to chew me up. Radicaled me to a point that I could not eat that bread. I lost appetite for it. And I dropped it and walked away. And I said to myself, today is the last day I'll beg anybody for anything. At the age of 10. Then the question is, how am I going to survive? So I remember sticking out my head in an open you know, a window about 18 inches by maybe 14. Sticking out my head out looking into the night. Open, empty night. I'm thinking how I'm going to survive in life. While I was looking, an idea came to me to sell firewood. And I began to sell firewood. I'll carry it on my head, walk one and a half miles to go sell it on barefoot. I did that for a year. I was able to buy my first sandal or shoe that I wore for the first in my life. That was how I started business and left school so that I can survive. Then it was painful. But today I can look at it and say, God, thank you and thank my brother for helping me discover who God is. Because it was God that picked me from that moment and started caring for me till I gave my life to Christ at the age of 20. I've done all the abominable things anybody can do. Smoke marijuana, not just single rap. I don't know what you call it here, but we put four single rap together, we call it family rap. That was what I do every day. But when Jesus met me at the age of 20, only nine words changed my life. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that day I asked myself, if I die now, what will I tell God I've done with my life? That's what changed everything about me. Fast forward, the Lord called me into the ministry. And today we have pioneered about 63 churches. Not just pioneer, they are there, we are raising them, we are old, pastors are meeting and training people for the next generation. Because my challenge this time is to see how we can be able to raise a generation that can take over from us. Because I don't have a plan for retirement, but I believe that I will work until the day God say, come home. But the question is, who will take over the baton? Which kind of people? So my ambition is, God, help me raise a lot of people that can actually duplicate me when I live here. So that's what we're doing, trying to train people and raise them up. But looking at what I've suffered, I decided to do something so that another child would not suffer what I have suffered. I decided to open something I call Project Hope. Project Hope is a place where I take people in who are, you know, maybe destitute, I use the word, or whose parents cannot help them, who will be potential robbers and drug, tick, draft, uh, drug traffickers and potential, you know, troublemakers in the city. Take them into the facility for two years and train them and give them skill. Because if you have skill, if you're occupied doing something, the devil have no business in your head. Because they said, idle head is a devil's workshop. 
So Project Hope raises people, feed them, train them, put them in a facility. We have this facility in the middle of nowhere. Most of the money is sent, goes directly to Project Hope. It's raising somebody, it's paying for somebody to be in Project Hope because we don't charge for training, we don't charge for food, we don't charge for accommodation. Bring them in, take care of them, and allow them to see the love of Jesus Christ, transform their life, and when they finish, I will send them home with a sewing machine to start their business. People from Grace have come to see. The vice president of Grace have visited the campus. I know some of the missionaries have come to the campus, and I'm believing God that one day, Pastor Brian will be there with us. Amen? It's an open invitation. Any day you say, hey, you have a place. And I will send you a special invitation to one of our conferences to come and impact the people. At least see what you are doing. Because that makes a lot of impact when you see that the, what you put in and you call nothing is changing somebody's life somewhere. A day will come, you will get into heaven and you hear a lot of people come and say, hey, thank you very much. Say, I don't know you. Oh, you don't need to know me because you supported somebody who reached me. That will be the, that will be the glory of heaven when we we'll see a lot of people say to us, thank you. Amen? Amen. 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 So that is what we do. That's one part of our ministry. We have another part of ministry called NET, National Evangelistic, Evangelistic Team. We bring churches together in a crusade. If you look at the there's a magazine I have outside, a very small brochure, at the front of it, you see a crusade I had just only November here. And we see thousands of people come and give their life to Christ. We call it Shake the Tree. What it means is that you call all the churches together, they call the town together and shake the place. When God shake the town, the people go and start picking all the fruits. That is what we do with net. And I pray that you continue to pray for it because it's a very big challenge to the kingdom of darkness, but we see harvest of soul coming to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. It's part of the things we support. When COVID hit, nobody knew COVID was coming. That when COVID hit, the greatest problem we have was not COVID. It was hunger. Because in my country, the total, you know, uh, infection is under 10,000. Why? Because our body have been filled with malaria substance that COVID actually can recognize most of the things in our immune system. So the infection was not too high and the rate of survival was very high. But the problem is that there was a lockdown that you can't buy food. Food cannot come from the north to the south and food cannot go from the south to the north. So there was hunger and that is what the challenge was. And I remember that time, whatever we received from grace, we're using it to buy food and distributing to the people around our community. Thank you very much for this. I believe it was a big impact in my community because it helped us actually present John 3.16 for God so loved that he gave. Amen. But this morning, I want to share something with you, very important. I was sharing with Pastor Brian in the office, you know, some of the concerns I have. If we look at the church today, the church is in like autopilot. 
we are actually moving, looking at heaven, but it looked like the glory of heaven. The influence of heaven is very, very, very blink. It's not too bright. Because if it's as bright as it was in the 70s, the zeal will be different, the output will be different, the desire will be different, the prayer will be different. So I find that in our journey as Christians, there are certain things that we need to navigate in our lives. So I want to read the scripture from the book of Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4 from verse 35, this was what Jesus said. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude and they took him in a long, took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the wind beat into this boat so that it was always already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we, we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be? Even the wind and the storm obey him. Father, thank you very much for this word. I ask, O oh God, that you help us to understand and digest all that you're going to say with us today. Open our understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning I want to talk to you on what I titled Navigating Through the Storms. On my way to this country, I flew into Qatar, and uh, from Qatar I was coming into Los Angeles. And the plane took off, and then we ran into this storm. I have, I have been traveling for over 40-something years, but I have never faced the kind of storm that was consistent for three hours. They could not even serve anything. Nobody was asked to get to everybody sit down. There was nothing you can do about the storm because we are going from Qatar to US, so we are already in the midst of the traveling. And there was no way you can come down from, hey, pilot, please put me down because I don't want to face the storm. No, you have no choice but to ride the storm out. But the problem is that you have nothing to do about this. But the pilot keep telling us, you know, just be calm. There is nothing uh, to be worried about. What do you mean it's nothing to be worried about? We are tossed here and there. <laughs> Nobody likes storm. In our Christian journey, the day you give Christ a chance in your life, you are like you have boarded a plane. And that plane is going to fly all through the horizon until you get to the kingdom of God. There is no letting out. But then the Bible told us that there are storms on the way. Look at the disciples. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And they embark on the journey, but Jesus slept. And the disciples were in this tempest up and down, and water was pouring right into the boat. But they didn't know what to do. They tried their best, but they went to the source and wake him up and say, hey, are you not looking at the danger we face? 
We are about to die. And Jesus stood up and said, peace be still. You know, many of us need peace. We need solutions. We need victory over situations we face. But the question is, who do you call when it occurs? Those people went to Jesus. They went to the right source. Some of us want peace. We go into drinking. We go into alcohol. We want peace. We go into all kinds of things. And then these actually bring pain to us instead of peace. But when they came to Jesus, say, peace be still. And everything became still. And then people say, who is this man that even the storm obey him? Storms are in our day-to-day experience as Christians. The devil is not going to allow you to just sit down and enter into heaven without trying to kick you out. Because we are going from here to there. But in between this place, there are challenges. There are storms. There are mountains. There are valleys. There are rivers to cross. When God told the children of Israel, you are going to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, he didn't tell them there was a Red Sea. He didn't tell them there was the Jordan. He didn't tell them they were, they were going to meet where there was no water. He didn't tell them there was wilderness. But you know why? He has made provision along the way. Even though you are going from here to there and there are storms, who do you call? How do you handle the storm? How do you navigate it? Look at what the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. I love this scripture because it has a lot of ingredients in it. For great door and effectual is open unto me. And he paused, you see, and there are many adversaries. Between you and success, between you and peace, between you and victory, there are adversaries that want to put you out of business and make sure that you never get that. Great doors are open, doors of great life, doors of good health, doors of, you know, victory in life, doors of prosperity are open. But there are challenges you must face to overcome and get those things. But the question is, who do you put in the boat? Who do you put in the boat? There are few reasons why storms come into our lives. Traveling from here on earth to heaven... Some of the storms that God put on our way, number one is to actually bring us down and ruin our testimonies. That everything we do, we begin to question the word of God. Have you ever come to a point where you begin to ask, does God actually answer prayers? It looks like you have prayed and prayed and nothing is happening and you begin to question whether God still answers prayers, whether prayers still work. You want to look for other ways to meet that need. Storms are aimed at actually bringing you down and destroying your testimony. Number two, is actually to demoralize you. I, I don't know of you, but I remember my early days in ministry. I've been in ministry for 48 years now. My early days in ministry, I was encountering a very terrible storm. I've done everything humanly possible to solve that problem. I couldn't. So I say, God, only one way out. 12 noon tomorrow, Take me to heaven. I was so confident in my prayer that once it's 12 noon, I will be over the other side. So the people in this world, you take care of the problem. It gave me temporary relief. 
In the morning, I began to prepare, brought all the fires. I wasn't married then, brought all the fires, put everything that they can see because I'm going to heaven. And then when it was about 15 minutes to the time, I lay on the bed and I was singing Amazing Grace and preparing to enter glory. <laughs> Boy, did that give you good, good thought? Yeah. Did that solve the problem? Yeah. But wait a minute. I sang and sang and sang and it looked like 15 minutes was getting to 20 to 30, almost an hour. I opened my eyes. It was 20 minutes or so after 12. In other words, the problem was still there. <laughs> so I now say, God, I ask you to take me to heaven. I think God will say, well, it's not yet. Face the problem. You remember when Paul had that kind of problem and went to God and said, please, Lord, can you take this thing away from me? What did God say? My grace is sufficient for you. You know what that means? Hey, enjoy it. <laughs> Face the situation. Why? Because I have given you something inside of you and the power inside of you that can ride the storm. Don't run away from it. Surmount it. Because in the name of Jesus, you can do it. With Jesus in the journey, you can do it. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he brought me out of a horrible pit. Yeah. The purpose is to demoralize you, to make sure that you lose courage and lose your momentum. Number three is to see you sorrow and in pain, so that when you are in pain, the devil will say, where is your God? He must have asked some of you that. And you know, sometimes the devil will tell you how bad you are, how ugly you are, how, how your life has turned around, and he tells you everything you need to know about bad thing about your life, he just put it to you, it's your fault. And then you find out, that moment you say, right, it's, your, it's my fault. And then you find yourself depressed. This is what I do when that happens. When the devil tells me how ugly I am, and how bad, because how did he know there was no duplicate of me for him to compare? I'm the only one God made in 7.5 billion people on earth. Nobody like me. And after me, there will be no me. Before me, there was no me. So who is he comparing with? So when he tells me how bad I dress up very well and walk majestically to the mirror and say, Thomas, you're handsome. <laughs> that gets the devil angry. Why? Because I'm not buying his lies. I know the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you buy into his lie, it demoralizes you. It makes you feel that this storm cannot go out. But you know what? Storms are terrible. Storms are, you know, disabilize you, but they don't last too long. Only those who are tough surmount it. Amen? Now, to, to do that is for you to look for knowledge somewhere, to look for, you know, somewhere. Just use an alternative to find how this storm can come down. And that is why some people face storm and they drink themselves to a point where they become so, you know, to stupor. And then you think this, the problem are gone away. No, wake up from it and you face the problem. Yeah. But when Jesus comes into your life, you have a final solution. You have peace. You have a future. You have a future that is secured. In order to ride the storm, there are three things I will recommend to you. Every one of us, you can't pray a storm in your life. Hey, your, our storms are different. 
Yours may be financial storm. Mine may be head storm. And all kinds of storm are different. 2008, I would have been dead. I was having a heart challenge. Went to one of the best cardiologists in my country. A Christian. And you don't want a doctor to tell you it's not looking good. That's what he told me. It's not looking good. I said to him, what is happening? So it's just, just not looking good. So I called my friend, Pastor Dale, who you know. And then Pastor Dale started talking to my friends. Let's bring him over so that he have open heart surgery and everything. All right. But this man, on the last day of July, 2008, brought me a, a, a bottle of pill, 286 pills to take for nine days to get me to the United States. That's how bad it was. So I took this drug in my hand and I was asking myself the question. I believe it was God I was asking, but I was talking to myself. How long would this be? How long would this be? I was saying it, my mood changed. My wife come, came in and saw me and walked away. I kept asking, how long would this be? And while I was asking that question, I dropped the pill on the counter and I went on my, and I lay down on the bed asking the question, how long would this be? And while I was asking, I fell asleep. Fell asleep so deep. My wife first came before I slept. Said, are you not having your dinner? I said, no. How long would this be? Because when storm come, if you call the right source and call the right person, he will give you solution. I was asking him, how long will this be? How long will I suffer this? Somebody will think, well, he just wants to go. God, take me away. That's not what I was asking. How long? You alone have the solution. So I slept on the last day of July. I woke up 1st of August with no singing bowl, nothing at all. Till today. I woke up. I called Pastor Dale. No need to, you know, drugs in him. No need to go out. I did not take one of that pill that was brought to me. God healed me totally. That same God is alive. But I called upon him. The Bible said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you have not known. But sometimes it's difficult when the storm is... Pushing you here and there is difficult to remember that you have to call upon the Lord. So three things you need to hold as a foundation in riding a storm. Number one, you have to note the consciousness of the presence of God. The presence of God is what you need in the time of storm. If Jesus was not in the boat, the disciples have no answer to it. The presence of God solves every problem. But sometimes we run out of the presence of God and we accuse God for running away. Because I remember one time I, I, I was asked, praying and asking God, are you not the God of Abraham? Are you not the God of Abraham? I ask all the people in the prophets in the Bible, are you not their God? God said, yes. I said, where are you? Guess the answer. I have always been where I have always been, but you have moved. Sometimes you feel God is not near. Uh -uh. God is there, but you have moved. That's why you feel that. The presence of God, when you recognize the presence of God, answers will always come because the presence of God is answered to every solution. When the, the man in name died, 
the only son of the mother. And when they came out, they were to go and bury him. And Jesus met them at the gate and said, stop. Young man, stand up. Nobody else could have that. The rabbis don't have the answer. But when Jesus came, solution came. When Lazarus was inside the grave and the body was already decaying, the sister said he might be stinking this time. Nothing stinks in the face of God. If you call upon him, he will answer. And Jesus went there and said, take out the stone. You know, the stone, it's easy for Jesus to command the stone to come back. He wasn't the one who put it there. It was us. Sometimes you put a stone across the situation and then you expect God to roll it. Uh-uh, you take the stone away. That stone can be your doubt. It can be your mindset. It can be the situation you are in. It can be what you actually rest upon. Take out that stone and let God walk. As soon as they took the stone, Lazarus, comfort. The Bible says, he that was dead came back to life. Why? I am the resurrection and the life was there. So when you have the presence of God, you have answers. When you have the presence of God, everything around you is actually secured. You are not someone who is going to actually begin to doubt again what God is going to do in your life. No, because you know the answer. You know that Jesus Christ is there. You know that the answer has come. You know that before him, everything will be solved. They said to Jesus, are you not caring that we are perishing? Jesus said, why are you afraid? I'm here. Because I'm here, that, this boat cannot sink. Because the boat in which the master of the ocean and the sea dwells cannot sink because the nature will obey his voice. You remember in another storm, the disciples were there and then they were so afraid when they saw Jesus walking on top of the river. Think about it. You're on top of the you know, storm blowing you here and there and you find someone walking and they say, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, no, it's not a ghost, I'm the one. Peter said this word, if you are the one, ask me to come. And Jesus said, come. Peter jumped out of the boat. Wow. He was walking on the boat until he looked. Me? And saw the boiling water. He began to sink and Jesus said, why did you doubt? Sometimes in our life, we take our faces and take our faith and take our attention off the presence of God. Because if you, the pre, if you don't know how to pray, worship him. If you don't know how to pray, I love the worship this morning. I love the, the energy it generates in our heart. But the question is, do we do it when we're alone? Do we do it in the storm? That's what the song says. In my storm, I will sing. In the storm. Why? Because when I sing hallelujah, the author of that world will come to respond because we are his children. Consciousness of his presence. Look at what the Bible says. If you walk through the waters, I will be with you. It will not overflow you. If you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you. And somebody says, well, that is too much. Has he done it before? Sure he has. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why did God not smack the people who were carrying them into the, into the fire? God kept quiet and waited for them in the fire. Sometimes God is waiting in the storm to answer your call. Don't take your eyes off the Lord. Has he stopped the water? Sure he did. When Moses was crying like a baby, like some of us cry. 
He was in a storm. He didn't know what to do. And they, Moses was crying. And God said, stop crying. I think that's what is, is dead some of us today. Stop crying like a baby. Hey, go forward. Go forward to where? The water was boiling. There was no boat in it. But go forward. And he obeyed and went forward. I said, stretch that thing in your hand. And he touched the river. There was a way. When the storm comes, the only one who can create a way in the storm is Jesus Christ. The only way who can touch lives and change it is Jesus Christ. The only one who can transform is Jesus Christ. But his presence must be invoked into a situation. Amen? You remember when David said, even when my enemies gather against me to eat me up. He said, in this, I love to, in this will I be confident because one thing I desire and that will I seek after, that I may be in the presence of God, you know, in the house of God, beholding his glory, beholding his presence. He recognized the key. Study the life of David and find every major battle you hear him say, David inquired of God. Every major battle, every major decision, David inquired from God. Even when things are so bad, like in First Samuel chapter 30 down from verse 1 to 8, when his family was carried away in captivity, the Bible says he actually inquired of God two times. When everybody said we cannot fight, David said, bring me the effort. God, can I go and pursue? Will I be able to overcome? God said, you go. You overcome everything and you get everything back. Nothing will be missing. He went in the strength of that. When you went in the strength of the consciousness of God, answers always position themselves on the way. Two, develop unshakable confidence in the power of God. You see, it's easy for us to actually talk about the power of God. But it's the hardest thing to actually develop confidence in it. You remember what I just told you? Asking God, how long will this be? Shows that I have no answer. And the doctors didn't have answer either. And I don't know what to do. But all I know is that if you can come into the matter, I know I will be okay. But how long will this be? I have asked you, but how long will it take for you to fix this thing? If you don't develop unshakable faith in God's power, you can't trust him. Every one of you have demonstrated unshakable faith this morning. You know what it is? You are sitting down on a chair. You are confident the chair will carry you. Otherwise, you will not sit down on it. You know, sometimes you drop yourself on the chair like that. But if the chair has defect, it crumbles. But you, have, you are so sure that that is going to take you. Why not you relax in God like that? Why not you rest on him like that? Why not you allow him to actually, you know, you know sometimes when, when storms are there and you sit down, close your eyes and you are worshiping him, that is when your faith rises. You are actually telling God, I know the storm is there, but I believe that you can handle it. I'm worshiping you because when you come in to, to inherit my praise, my situation will be over. Sometimes in my room, I think it was about last two Sundays ago or so, 
I was in a house and I woke up in the morning and it's like everything was heavy. I'm going to preach. But I just started dancing. I put on the music and I was dancing alone in the room. I was dancing. My host was saying, what is wrong with him? I wonder what he's doing. He was dancing. The husband said, can we wake him up? The wife said, are you kidding me? He's awake since. He has been singing and dancing. When I came out, my face was radiating. And this, what happened? Oh, I'm praising God. I'm dancing and thanking God because I know that the enemy wanted to make my day miserable. Amen? But you find the developed faith is actually to acknowledge him. We believe the God of the past. We talk about the testimonies. We believe what God will do in the future because we read about it. But the problem is now. Do we believe that what he did in the past and what he will do in the future, he can do today? Because the Bible says that commit to God must believe that he is present. And that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So my faith in God is not just what I think, it's what I know. My experience about God, let me tell you this. Some of you doubt whether God exists or not because you have not had an encounter. I have. I have several encounters I can give you their dates. And each of those encounters changed my life. First, in English I'm speaking to you. Before that encounter I had in 1973, I couldn't speak it. Because I didn't go to school. I ended in sixth grade. If my wife is here, she will hear her say, no, not sixth grade, five and a half. Because I didn't pass the sixth grade. Because I went into business. But I couldn't speak English. But when the Lord called me, my problem was, I can't speak English. I can't read the Bible. How can I preach? And I believe he gave me a cake. Because I saw that clearly. And I ate that cake. Wake up and begin to read. It was the first thing I read was the book of John. Everything I read started from that day. So how can you tell me God does not exist? To come to this country, January 1st, 1979, God spoke to me and said, go to a certain town. The guy who gave me the address, he lives in San Diego today. I just got there. I didn't know why I went. I just obeyed. And I got there. This guy gave me an address of Moriserulo School of Ministry. And he delivered it and walked away. I went home with it. That was how I came to the U.S. If I didn't obey that voice, I would not be here. But that changed everything about me. I remember on the 8th of January, 1980, I was flying over Iceland when I had the same voice to say, I have opened a door that no man can lock. How can you tell me God does not exist? Because if you have an encounter with God, you have answers. And that is why you need to develop on shaking faith in God. And the last is this. Courage. Courage to shake off the attack of the enemy and move forward. Courage is what it takes in the storm. Any time there is storm, it takes courage to face it. Don't pilot who was telling us, hey, be calm. He's a human being like us. 
But what have actually built his confidence was his training, what he know, how he can master all the equipments. If he doesn't know what to do, like me, then we will all go down. But his courage was that I am in control of this. Our Lord Jesus Christ is in control of every situation. Let me close this with this picture to show you what courage means. A farmer had a horse. Loved the horse so much. But the horse somehow fell into a deep well. And then there was no way they could extract it. They tried everything to extract the horse. They couldn't. So he decided to make a tough decision. To kill the horse. So that they would bury the horse in the well. So he rented a lot of trucks. To bring the sand. So when they were pouring the depths. The first one started pouring. The horse looked up. Okay, look like answer have come. As they were pouring, it was shaking it off. It was pouring, it was shaking it off. Shook off everything and step on the dirt. They poured the second one, shook it off and step on the dirt. So they keep pouring and the horse kept shaking it off. And all of a sudden, the dirt was full and the horse walked away. What solved the problem? What was that? Courage. He didn't oh, don't pour it on me. I am here. No. Every challenge has an opportunity. Every storm has something that will elevate you to. Don't forget that the storm that destroyed the people in the world was the same storm that lifted Noah to safety. No matter the storm that comes into your life, it's not meant to kill you because Jesus in you is the hope of glory develop that storm, that courage in you to face any storm in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing that he's able to save to the utmost those who come to him. Shall we pray? I want you to pray. I don't know the storm you are going through as a person. I didn't know the situation you are going through. But that storm has opportunity for you just like the horse God wanted to shake it off and you step out I don't know the pain I don't know the situation but I want you to, to do one thing very simple and that is Lord I believe that this storm you can solve it and as a result I'm asking you to take it from me and the act of faith is moving from where you are kneeling at this altar and telling God about it. I'm not going to ask you about it. Pastor Brian will not ask you about it. But we'll just join our hand and pray for you and that's it. And leave you to go with the testimony of what God is going to do in your life. So no matter the storm you are going through, you are going through issues in your life and it looks like there's no answer, Jesus said, come. There is answer. As you kneel before this altar and tell God what it is in a very simple word, it's going to come to pass. God will give you a solution. I'm going to pray right now. I'm trusting God that he will do something in your life. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this congregation. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for everything around them, Lord, I ask you. You know the storm each person is going through. You know the pain. You know the situation. You know how it is, oh God, our Father. I can't describe it, but you are able I ask you, Father, to come into this situation today. 
and lift it up, Father, and break it through and give them victory in the name of Jesus Christ. I proclaim your victory over their lives, over their hearts, over their family, over their finances, over their, over their job. I ask, oh God, that whatever that storm is, take it away from them and give solution to them. Thank you, Father, for hearing these prayers. I commit them to your hand that as they come, oh God, our Father, your presence will meet with them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Pastor Thomas for bringing that word today. Prayer team, if you come forward as we bring our service to a conclusion. The application to the message today is that regardless of what you're going through, the Lord is the way through. The Lord is the way through. And I don't know what you're going through today, but as we as we come to the conclusion of service, there I think there's two applications. One, we want to pray with you on what you're going through. The call of the church is to carry the bur our burdens together. You're not meant to carry everything alone. We're here to carry it with you. The application today may be that you come down and pray with one of the elders in the church and, and that we partner with you in, in carrying that. The second is this, is that you may be carrying something and it's not yours to carry, it's the Lord's to carry. And if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus Christ, today is the day that he takes those burdens. You don't have to carry that any, any longer. He is our Savior. He, he paid for everything that you are walking through at the cross. And today, the, op the opportunity available to each one of us is to say, Lord, I give you everything. And in giving you everything, there's salvation that we receive. I just want to just conclude uh, this morning with just one, one more prayer. And it's an opportunity for anyone in this room to open up their heart to the love of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, and you would say, Pastor, I need to open up my heart. I, I, need, to, I need to acknowledge Jesus as King of Kings, the Savior of my life. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask every head bowed and eyes closed to give privacy to all who are in the room. If that's you today and you would say, Pastor, I need to open up my heart to Jesus Christ, would you just look up at me right now? And in looking up at me, you're saying, today I'm opening up my heart to Jesus Christ. I agree with you today. The Lord comes to be Lord of your life. Is there anyone else? If I'm missing you, if I'm missing you, would you just lift up your hand? I don't want to miss anyone in this room who would say that right now I need to open up my heart to, heart to Jesus. I agree with this one. And Lord, I, I, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are, the, you are the God in the midst of the storm. And Lord, we can trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. As we stand, Pastor Thomas, thank you for that word. If you would like to find out more about uh, uh, the ministry that Pastor Thomas is doing, there's brochures and things uh, out, in the, uh, out in the lobby. Also, I'd like to thank our worship team for this morning. We have a, a special crew from one of our uh, founding churches in, in Houston. So Jorge and, and Caesar and Gio are out here doing some worship training with us, and they led for us this morning. Oh, Jorge's over there. He was hiding. So, uh, so th thank you guys. And as we, as we leave, Lord, we go in your power. We go in your peace. Lord, we go in your authority that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. God bless. We'll see you soon.